Welcome to the Mindcast. I'm Matt Wilkinson. Today we're looking at anxiety and panic attacks. Joining me is Gus Marshall, who's from London. Gus, how would you describe yourself? Um, I'd describe myself as a quite high-achieving type of guy. Got a job in private equity. In the past, I've run marathons all over the world. Ran the Marathon des Saab in 2004, which was about six marathons in five days, I think. Um, so that combined with my work, yeah, I'm quite a sort of driven type of person, really. So why are you here today? Well, I really wanted to share with um, the people out there how sort of anxiety and panic attacks have you know, impacted on my life and some of the things that I think I've realised with time that I've learned can really help me sort of manage that anxiety and, and try and, you know, reduce the prevalence of some of those panic attacks. Have you always been an anxious person? Yeah, I think I have always been relatively anxious. But as far as the panic attacks actually go, the first one that I would describe as being a sort of a full panic attack didn't happen until I was in my early 20s. Uh, I'm nearly 40 now. So, yeah, there was always that underlying level of anxiety, but it really didn't manifest itself until I'd sort of finished education, really, and was sort of branching out into the wider world, I suppose. What's the difference between being very anxious and having a full-on panic attack? Yeah, that's a good uh, that's a good question. I think if I'm in a very anxious state, I can still function. You know, I'd, I would describe the feeling as sort of, you know, sweating lightly probably and having that sort of pitted feeling in the stomach um, and feeling quite jumpy, dry-throated probably um, and sort of shallow-voiced. But a panic attack is, is something else completely. I can only describe it. Well, you're certainly not or you don't feel like you're in control at all. Um, so there's no question of being able to sort of operate or perform the way you'd like to. I can remember the last panic attack uh, that I had and uh, the symptoms were a sort of vertigo type feeling, almost sort of spinning head and sort of tingling extremities, um, a shortness of breath, you know, much more sort of pronounced, you know, really physical sort of sensations that are really panic worthy in their own right. And what, what's going through your mind at the time that that happens? Is it a physical manifestation of panic which then causes you to be panicky? Or are you feeling that way in the first place and that makes you physically show these it's, it's, symptoms? It's more the manifestation, I think, in a way. You know, you get these symptoms that you probably haven't had before. Certainly before I, ha I had my first panic attack, I'd never experienced them. So just the very nature of those symptoms, the sort of the racing heart, um, the, the feeling of sort of vertigo, and it sounds extreme, but almost like being sort of sucked into a vortex. It, it's It's really out of control. And if you're quite a controlling person as well, then it's you know, it's doubly frightening. But there is definitely that element of um, the panic feeding on itself. You know, your heart starts to beat quicker, you start breathing less deeply, and so you're not getting as much oxygen into your system, and that tends to sort of exacerbate the problems. What you really need to do is try and take yourself out of the situation. Try, and um, it's very difficult to talk to yourself and calm yourself down because the physical symptoms are so powerful. But what you need to do is just try and step back and try and, as a first stage, just regain your breathing and just regain the oxygen flow. Um, it's very difficult to do that when it's happening. Let's go back to your first instance. This is just after university, right? Yes. What did it feel like when you first experienced a panic attack? That one was the most frightening because I'd never experienced anything like that before. Um, there was more of a reason there. I, I can understand the reason for the onset of the panic there. 
I was giving a presentation in front of my uni friends um, and it was one of the first presentations that I've, I had given for a long, long time. And there was an element there of me feeling judged or under scrutiny that caused me, I could feel my levels of anxiety were high before I gave the presentation. But once I actually started, it got out of control and I started to sort of have a panic attack towards the end of the presentation and actually had to stop giving it. And that then led into all sorts of problems in other situations where I felt under scrutiny or sort of in judgment. For example, job interviews, which are a critical part of anyone's life immediately after university. So after you had the first one, when you were giving that presentation, you then had subsequent attacks when you were going for things like interviews? I did, I did. They weren't as severe, um, but it was almost like a sort of um, a pathway had been formed in my brain, a sort of neural pathway where when I felt under that sort of scrutiny or judgment that, that a similar thing started to happen. Um, I must say it wasn't as extreme. It was somewhere sort of in between a panic attack and anxiety, but, but it caused physical symptoms like shaking that, you know, obviously makes it difficult for you to present yourself in your best light, you know, when you're being interviewed. Did you seek help? At that time, 15 years ago, did you seek any medical help for what you were going through? Yes, I did. I um, I wish I'd sought some, some sort of psychological help, sort of cognitive style help, but the symptoms were sufficient that I went to go and see my GP. Um, he was very reluctant at the time to put me on an SSRI, but we tried beta blockers and, and it just wasn't strong enough to sort of prevent that anxiety from really coming through. So... Um, he trialled me on a drug which was quite new at the time, which was called Siroxat, um, also known as Paxil. OK, and an SSRI is a selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor. That's what the acronym stands for. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um, what it does, I mean, it's very effective, but the analogy I use is it's a bit like hammering in a nail with a sledgehammer. You know, it takes away your anxiety... But what it also takes away is, you know, a lot of your emotion, you know, your ability to relate to other people. So it has quite a strong impact on your emotional relationships. Um, zombies, a bit stronger word, but, you know, on, a, on the full dose, you know, I was going through life on autopilot. And so in a sense, then, yes, you don't have the anxiety, but you've got a whole host of other problems to deal with, which, uh, you know, your inability to really relate to people, which, which creates its own host of uh, issues. And how, how long were you taking this medication for? Well, I was taking the a full dose for about six months. Um, and after that, I couldn't cope with the side effects anymore. Um, you know, there, there are many, many side effects. But on Paxil, at the dose I was on, which was the recommended dose, um, insomnia is one of them. Um, I couldn't sleep at all. Um, that was probably the main one. So I reduced the dose down to about 10 milligrams, which shouldn't be a therapeutic dose. But actually, I found that quite successful for me. Um, it helped just to keep the anxiety and panic in check, but allowed me to function enough to, um, you know, perform on a day to day basis. So did that actually feel good in a way? I mean, I know the side effects, but knowing that the anxiety was no longer creeping into your life, did that make you feel good at all? It, it really made me feel great. And I think... You know, there are lots, there's a lot of negative press around SSRIs and, and yes, the side effects were awful and yes, they blunted my feelings. But one of the things that they did allow me to do, it gave, it gave me just a bit of space. You know, the anxiety wasn't there anymore. So it gave me space to sort of react and, and take stock of things. Whereas when the anxiety was at full flow, you're just in, you're in a sort of panic mode. You can't take enough of a time out to really 
try and view what's going on objectively. And the SSRIs allow you to do that because they put a sort of a break on the anxiety. So how did it change your life? Other than the side effects, what happened to the professional Gus and, you know, the achieving things? What did what kind of stuff did you... Yeah, I mean, after, after going on them, my life sort of changed. I was, um, you know, debilitated by anxiety and it, and it allowed me to get a job. I went and travelled over to Germany um, and got a job with a really good company over there. And I was suddenly able to, to perform in the way that, that I know I can. It was like I'd been sort of released... Um, and so, so great things started to happen. You know, I, I started to do myself justice, really. Yeah. And remind me, you were on them for six months on a full dose, and then um, you brought it down. So, what was your sort of total length of, of being? Of being uh, well, on the... I only came off them fully about two years ago. Right. Um, so I had been on them in one form or another for, let me think, from 1995 to 2010. So 15 years. Wow. And why did you decide to stop taking it? Was it your decision or was it a GP's decision? No, it was very much my decision, actually. And I got married about three years ago. And uh, my wife is a naturopath. Um, and so she is very focused on sort of using food and lifestyle as a method of bringing this sort of issue under control rather than, you know, mainstream medicine. So what we decided to do was to... Um, try a new sort of nutritional regime and an exercise regime and just make various changes to my lifestyle to to try and help me come off the SSRIs. Um, coming off the SSRIs is a story in itself. Yeah. Um, What's that transition like? The transition, if done too quickly, can be really terrible. I think what is more and more commonly understood, certainly with Paxil, is that you need to come off um, using a liquid form of it and literally on a one milligram by one milligram basis. So I ended up coming down from 10 milligrams to zero over the course of two years. Um, what helped me phenomenally was lifestyle changes just by taking some fairly simple steps like, you know, drinking far more in moderation. But But I found the dietary aspects were actually much more powerful, just sort of eating foods that regulated sugar, and just trying to eat a far more balanced diet. Um, it may, may sound a bit silly that to someone out there who's sort of going through a panic attack that, you know, I can just adjust my diet and I'll be fine. But if you have that as a backdrop, it's certainly going to make your symptoms easier to manage. Mm. OK, so let's take you to the moment where you've you've taken two years, like you say, to transition away from taking SSRIs to being free of them. When you took your last dose, what did you feel about the future at that point? Did you think... Because bear in mind, you've obviously not had an anxiety problem or a panic attack for 10, 15 years. So are you feeling really optimistic about the future or are you being quite cautious and wary about what will happen? I think there's an element of caution, but I'm, I'm so optimistic. You know, the challenge of that transition of dealing with withdrawal effects every time you go down by one milligram. You know, some people are just very sensitive to these things. And so I'm, I'm amazingly optimistic that I've done it. That just feels like a bigger achievement than any of my marathon de sable or, you know, what I've done in work. It really does. Um, I'm cautious, though, as well, because I feel a bit like a safety net's been removed. But what I do really feel now is that with the changes that I've made to my lifestyle, that I genuinely don't think my panic attacks are going to come back. So what happened then two years ago when you did have another attack, your first since coming off the drugs, correct? Yeah, it was really terrifying, actually. I was on the way to uh, a friend's party. I was sitting in the back of 
a taxi on the way there and I suddenly felt really dizzy. My head started spinning. I started to feel a bit nauseous and, and with a sort of a cold sweat. You know how you get if you've got sort of the flu or something like that. And I just felt really like I was standing on the edge of a really tall building. It was that type of sort of vertigo feeling. But I couldn't understand why I was feeling like that because I was on the way to a really close friend's party and it should have been, you know, a joyful event and, and really one that caused me no anxiety at all. So I felt a bit ambushed by these sort of physical symptoms and, and there was no real sign that they were coming. And it was very, very frightening. And how long did the whole thing last? Well, the panic attack lasted for about 20 minutes before I had to get out of the taxi and tell my friends I was traveling with two friends and uh, one of them said to me you know Gus you've gone really quiet and you know I was hoping that it might be something that would just pass and then you know I could get on with the evening um, but I had to get out of the taxi and um, I called my wife who was away at the time and I said you know I really really need help you know it was that extreme and I was sort of kneeling on the pavement clinging onto the railings, and um, she ended up taking me to A&E down at Chelsea and Westminster Hospital. Is your wife your your sort of turn-to person when you're in a moment like that? And How important is her role? Yeah, absolutely critical. I didn't necessarily feel that my friends would really understand what I was going through, um, and that was my assumption and perhaps not a correct assumption, but it felt more natural to go to my wife in the first instance. I felt I don't know, I just felt a bit embarrassed in a way that I was having to miss out on a, you know, it wasn't just a party, it was actually the, the, the stag night of one of my best friends that I had to miss out on. So, you know, he was upset that I couldn't make it and I somehow didn't get the sense that they'd really understand what was going on. They'd sort of say, oh, Gus, you know, have a beer, you know, don't worry, you know, things will be all right. And it, it wasn't like that at all. It was needed much more serious attention than that. Were you tempted at that point, having had 15 years of no anxiety problems you've had this one attack afterwards which has been really bad by the sounds of it were you tempted at any point to go back on the medication or were you determined to stay off it always absolutely I was itching to go back on it so much because I knew it would just solve the problem immediately but then I looked at it from another aspect and, and not being on it has just improved the quality of my relationship so much I've just had a baby boy who's now about uh, nine weeks old and congratulations thanks very much and you know when you're on the Siroxat yes it's stopping you getting the panic attacks and it's removing the background anxiety but it, it just stops you relating to people it's, it stops your capacity to really feel things and on that basis that's more important to me than than suffering you know even though it was really bad I'd rather have that quality of relationship and, and ability to feel and experience emotion than to have it blunted um, and, and so for that reason, I've decided to sort of battle on and, and stay off them. You were talking earlier about your ultramarathon running, your six marathons in, what was it, a week? Yeah, in, in five days, yeah. Is that just something that you, Gus Marshall, just like to do? Or is that related in any way to your anxiety problems or perhaps your medication that you were taking? I think it's definitely related to anxiety. I mean, I've, I've run a lot of other ultra sort of endurance events, the Marathon of Britain, um, the Amazon Jungle Marathon as well. And you actually meet a lot of people on those ultra-distance running events that have had problems with anxiety in the past. Uh, I've done quite a lot of research on it, as you do, you know, when you've got 
an issue. You know, mm. you tend to dig around a lot on the internet. And what you find is that you get a sort of opiate rush as a long distance runner that's very, very similar to the, you know, serotonin, but also sort of dopamine enhancing effects that you get from an SSRI. I do think a lot of that ultra running, and, and I don't do it so much anymore, I still like to run, but not to such an extreme effect. I think a lot of that was sort of self-medication. It was a way of finding a sort of a focus and it was a way of me getting myself out of my own head. And so, yes, I like running, but not to the extent that I want to sort of run through the desert. I mean, it got up to sort of 52 degrees one day um, and we were running a double marathon So, um, and carrying all of our kit as well. So if I'd set off the day with a raw chicken in the back of my rucksack it would have been cooked you know by the time i'd finished the race so yeah i think you know running was a great tonic it was a great medicine um and i still run now three or four times a week and and i find that that helps to keep me on the straight and narrow you know if i'm under pressure at work it's just like a sort of pressure release valve i find it's really helpful i i'm just curious doing two marathons in a day um, i mean Firstly, why? I mean, what's wrong with just doing one marathon? What's wrong with just going for a run in the park? Uh, I agree. I think, you know, I'm just a competitive sort of person, you know, competitive with myself. Ironically, one of the things that I'm learning and one of the things that's helping to dissipate the panic is learning how not to be so competitive and competitive with yourself. I think that comes back to sort of genetics and personality. Um, But why on earth did I do it? I look back on it now with... It feels like complete madness, but it's also something that I look back on with a source of great pride. You know, it's a real sort of war of attrition. You know, yeah. we uh, on the long day we did two marathons, and I think I set off at nine in the morning, and I arrived at camp that night at about nine in the evening in the middle of a sandstorm in pitch dark. Yeah, I mean, I, I forget whole swathes of it. I think you know I was probably somewhere else for um, <laughs> for some of it. And how have you been since your last panic attack a couple of years ago? Have you had any others since then? It depends. You know, you have good days and bad days. You know, when that safety blanket of the of the pills has been removed, there's no rhyme nor reason sometimes. You can just wake up and just feel a bit shaky. Um, I think it takes your body a long, long time. It takes the brain chemistry a long time to adjust when you've been on something as powerful as an SSRI for 15 years. And you've really just got to take it one day at a time. Um, yeah, there have been times when I felt intensely anxious, but I've been able to manage it somehow. I've got, as a base, I've got this better diet. I don't really drink anymore. I don't think that was really helping me at all. And I just feel more able with these, you know, these meditation tools and um, a lot of the cognitive therapy work that I've done. I, I've I've got enough tools to sort of self-manage that, that I kind of know I'll be all right, even if I'm feeling really anxious. Are panic attacks something that you feel will always be with you? I think they'll always be with me. Certainly the experience of them was so intense that it it feels almost that it's sort of carved an indelible mark, you know, on my brain. You know, it's not something that you forget in a hurry. I think they're always with you in a sense because however much you you manage and, and you try and create a positive outlook, the fact is that it happened once and, you know, there's always a chance, however minor, that it might happen again and it might happen in a in a scenario where you really don't want it to happen. So yeah, they'll they'll very much always be with me. What I do feel, I feel immense sense of achievement having learnt how to bring them more under control, I think. 
and more than that to do it without the safety blanket of the SSRIs, which I use for so many years. Of course, and so that way of keeping under control is less alcohol or no alcohol, your diet, your fitness as well, That's the, and your meditation, that's all part of that, yeah, isn't it? absolutely, and, and I found the biggest factor, without a doubt, was alcohol. Tell me, do you, nowadays, do you avoid anxiety-provoking situations, or do you find yourself deliberately not doing that because you don't want to let a potential anxiety attack affect your life that that's really it i sometimes actually actively seek out quite anxiety provoking situations i didn't do that immediately i came off the ssris in fact for about six months after i felt very very fragile and and kept away from any sort of anxiety provoking sort of things but as my confidence in myself and and through these sort of self-management techniques has improved i've started to 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 seek out you know, more anxiety-provoking things, really. Is that to kind of test yourself? Yeah, absolutely. And, and that might sound a bit strange, but I think it's a measure of sort of my growing confidence and that I've moved on and evolved from where I was before. And your competitive spirit as well. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Gus, what advice would you give to other people, someone listening now, maybe they've just had their first panic attack, maybe their best friend has, what would you tell them? I was really, really scared when it first happened to me. And... I think the best piece of advice I can give is, yes, you might feel you know, like really bad things are happening to you at the time, but they will pass. They absolutely will pass. You know, The longest one I ever had lasted for about two hours. It may feel awful, but it will go away. And I appreciate it's, um, it's a frightening thing. I would urge anyone to, to get some help, go and talk to someone about it. You know, It took me 10 years before I actually went and started speaking to a cognitive therapist because I somehow didn't think it really would work or that just by talking to someone, you know, it could make a difference. And it really, really can just by verbalising those fears and, and talking about them with someone else. Just one question for you. Do you consider yourself to have a mental health problem or not? That's an interesting question. Um, it's funny... Do I feel like I have a mental health problem? I can almost feel the stigma attached to that and I don't want to label myself with that. But yeah, I do have a mental health problem. I have um, situations where my anxiety becomes so intense that I can't perform and I've had situations where I've had a panic attack where I've had to go to A&E. So yeah, that is a mental health problem. Um, It's really interesting the way you asked that. I, I didn't want to somehow admit that I had a mental health problem, but I don't have any issue with that and it's one of the reasons I'm here now and why I'm really willing to sort of help anyone who's going through the same type of thing because it's it's a health problem in in the same way that you might have a physical health problem. So it shouldn't be treated any differently to that. So yeah, I do have a mental health problem. It's something that I manage um, and it's something that can be managed. Gus, thank you for joining me today. Thanks very much.